there are anomalies at other ancient sites, and whilst the stone heads of the Olmecs at La Venta did not make it into the megalithic section, they are worthy of note. The Olmecs were a tribe that preceded the Maya, their official existence dating from approximately 1200 BCE to 400 BCE. What is left of their culture can be best seen at La Venta in the state of Tabasco in Mexico. The large stoneheads, of which 17 have been found, are up to 9 feet tall, 22 feet in diameter, and weigh more than 20 tons. In addition to the remarkable feat that it would have taken to move these stones into place, some 60 miles through jungle and swamps, the most incongruous aspect is the facial feature of these heads. Their appearances are all African or Negroid in origin. Let us not forget that they were a tribe that existed prior to the Maya, and significantly prior to the arrival of Columbus in the New World. There is equality here, however, in that whilst no heads were found, there were a number of stele which depict bearded men of Caucasian origin at Olmec sites. In the Popol Vuh, the sacred book of the Maya, it says there were then in great number the black men and the white men of many classes, men of many tongues. It was wonderful to hear them. This merely adds to the confusion since, according to our traditional understanding, there should have been no black or white men in Central America at any point BCE or indeed prior to Columbus and the Europeans in the New World, yet their images clearly point to their existence. When I was in Zimbabwe visiting the sites of antiquity there, I had a quasi-epiphanic moment. I was sitting alone at a high point at Great Zimbabwe, one of their more visited locations, at the top of what is called Sorcerer's Rock, letting my mind wander as I often do at these places, and remembering previous sites visited and their similarities. Great Zimbabwe is situated in the Matopo Hills, granite country, and it dawned on me that this was perhaps a connection. Perhaps the Olmecs had originated in Africa, why else would they have traversed miles of jungle and swamp to find volcanic rock from which to sculpt their monuments? It is also interesting to note that Matopo is also spelt Matobo, meaning bald heads, and indeed I have not seen an Olmec stone head which depicted hair. Later that evening, back at my hotel, I spoke to their in-house guide and produced a book that I had taken with me, The Lost Realms by Zechariah Sitchin, which illustrated a number of the Olmec heads and their individual features. The guide was taken aback by what I showed him and ascribed African nationalities to the heads according to the features. So convinced was he that they were African in origin. It is all a tad tenuous, I admit. However, I have yet to hear of a better possible link or explanation. There have been a number of rather bigoted archaeologists who refuse to acknowledge the Negroid features of these heads. This is not dissimilar an attitude to that regarding the black pharaohs of Egypt. In a recent article on this subject in the National Geographic magazine, the author points out, The ancient world was devoid of racism. Artwork from ancient Egypt, Greece and Rome shows a clear awareness of racial features and skin tone, but there is little evidence that the darker skin was a sign of inferiority. Only after the European powers colonized Africa in the 19th century did Western scholars pay attention to the color of the Nubian skin to uncharitable effect. 
The article goes on to say that it is only recently that archaeological thought has moved away from the declaration that black Africans could not possibly have constructed these monuments. These monuments referred to are the pyramids in modern-day Sudan, which are greater in number than all of Egypt. Crystal skulls of varying sizes have been found in South America and linked to the Maya. Tests on one in 1970 at Hewlett-Packard's Crystal Laboratories in Santa Clara show it to have been made from pure and natural quartz. This particular skull would have been made from an unusually large piece of quartz. Despite the cranium being detached from the jawbone, it was proved that both pieces were made from the same piece of quartz. The anomaly is that quartz is only marginally softer than diamond, which makes it incredibly difficult to carve, in addition to which it is brittle and has a tendency to shatter. In their book, The Mystery of the Crystal Skulls by Chris Morton and Siri Louise Thomas, they point out that the workmanship on the skull was so exquisite that the investigated team estimated that even if the carvers had used today's electronically powered tools with diamond tips, it would have taken at least a year to carve such an incredible object. Moreover, it would have been impossible to use such a power tool on the skull since the resultant vibration would have shattered the skull. The skull showed no signs of tool markings and therefore it had to be made by hand. This would have been a slow process, taking an estimated 300 years. The carvers would have had to start with a crystal three times as large as the finished skull, and if they had made a mistake at any time along the way, they would have had to have started all over again. Peru is full of sites of antiquity belonging to a series of tribes, the last of which were the Incas. In addition to the sites mentioned earlier, the Nazca Lines are some 2,000 years old, and a sight to behold. On a desert plain stretching over 50 kilometres from north to south, and 5 to 7 kilometres wide, there are hundreds of carved straight lines, two of which are 9 kilometres long and absolutely straight. There are also geometric patterns such as a quadrangle, some 1,600 metres long, and gigantic figures including the hummingbird, the spider, the condor, the monkey, and the whale to name a few. Many experts think that there is a direct correlation between these figures and various constellations. The features on this plane, however, can only be seen in their individual entirety from the air by taking one of the tours in a small aeroplane. The scale is truly remarkable, and one wonders why the Nazcans went to such lengths to produce such images on the ground when they could not see them. It should be noted that there is no high ground in the vicinity on which one might be able to appreciate this work of such magnitude. The Sphinx at Giza, mentioned previously, has one further anomaly. The structure is officially dated and attributed to the pharaoh Khafre who ruled between 2520 and 2494 BCE, despite no inscription ever being found to link the two. John Anthony West and Dr. Robert Schock, an expert on the weathering of the limestone of which the Sphinx is made, disagree vehemently. The reason for this is that the Sphinx is eroded as evidenced by vertical and horizontal fissures, which are exclusively due to heavy rain over thousands of years. The difficulty revolves around the fact that Giza was an arid land in 2500 BCE, as it is today. Therefore, how can one explain such erosion? 
It is fact that the last time it rained sufficiently to erode the Sphinx to the extent that it has been is between 7,000 and 5,000 BCE. Author of Serpent in the Sky, John Anthony West, however, feels that that date could be even earlier at 10,000 or perhaps 15,000 BCE.